Hi, I'm Madhvi Romani. And I'm Rina Grobe. And this is Misinformed, the podcast that keeps you aware of feminist news and culture the easy way. So, Madhvi, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about the book We Were Feminists Once by Andy Zeisler, who was the founder of Bitch Media, which has since closed. But Bitch Media used to analyze pop culture through a feminist lens. And this book was part of our feminist book club, and it was the book for February. It was written in 2016, which is really interesting because it was before Me Too, before Donald Trump. And since then, you know, the conversation has moved on even further. But what the book is about is the changing face of feminism, how feminism became kind of commodified and sort of sold back to us. She uses a lot of cool words in this book, like empowertizing, lipstick feminism, market feminism, corporate feminism. And we just had our book club literally just now. We're recording in Rena's apartment, so it might be a bit echoey. One of the things that we were all trying to figure out were what were the different waves of feminism. Amazing. I think some of the terms that she sort of used is specifically third wave feminism. So third wave feminism is a feminist movement which began in the early 1990s. Third wave feminism has three central focal points, intersectionality, body autonomy, and the deconstruction of gender. So third wave feminism is sort of what's been happening the last couple of years. Currently, we are in the fourth wave of feminism. So the fourth wave of feminism is any part of the feminist movement that came after 2012. Why 2012? It's a good question. I don't know why after 2012, but fourth wave feminism is kind of characterized by a focus on the empowerment of women, the use of internet tools and intersectionality. It sort of is more focused on gender norms and marginalized women in society. It's kind of interesting to me because it said that Third wave feminism is focused on intersectionality, which, and it says fourth wave feminism is kind of focused on marginalized women in society. So surely like intersectional feminism is focusing on like... This is what's super confusing because also we read Susan Sontag's On Women and I would characterize her as third wave. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly, when it comes to these different waves of feminism, I think that what the most honest sort of explanation of all of these is is like what was the popular conversation because i think that feminism like susan sontag's or or other women have always been concerned with all of these ideas like it's not the case that feminists of color before the year 1990 weren't talking about intersectionality no the term intersectionality was coined way before the 1990s right it's just like when mainstream feminism caught up with the concept and it became kind of popular within that Because trans feminists, right, they've been dealing with this issue way before gender norms sort of Mm. became part of mainstream feminism. So I think it kind of reflects the public consciousness of what is the hot topic of the day. Or you know what even might be a better way of describing it? Maybe it's whatever feminism is answering to. Not answering to, that sounded wrong, but like 
whatever the mainstream media or conservatives are currently freaking out about, whatever feminism <laughs> needs to currently push back against, that's sort of like the main focus of whatever wave of feminism you're in. Oh, great. So we're still at abortion then. Exactly. <laughs> it's always been abortion. But this book was kind of interesting because a lot of people in the book club, because the book deals with popular culture and is much newer than the other book, they found it a lot more relatable. And we also sort of questioned our previous feminist selves or observed how we have changed our concepts about equality and feminism and stuff like that. For example, you know, a long time ago, I think it was before Me Too, it was fully expected that you would get grabbed and groped all over the place. Now, if that happened, you would scream and shout about it. And so because the conversation has changed, so have we. And a lot of people were seriously questioning a lot of sort of ideas they've had. There was some like serious coming to terms with previous views and things you've done, like given Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg five stars as a review. I think just also like stories of, of things you accepted, like one girl told a story about how when she was working as a hostess, being in uncomfortable situations with her boss, who was like a 60-year-old man and at the time not really thinking anything of it. And like now kind of being like, oh, wow, that was really messed up. And at the time I didn't think about it. But I did want to say something to the lean in thing, because I don't think there's obviously it's not a great book. It's not a great mentality. But at the same time, I feel like we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves, because I also think that it takes everyone a while to like be on their feminist journey. We all have to start somewhere. And we're all going to kind of be flawed along the way. Like, it's kind of the same reason why, you know, when I look back at pictures of myself when I was 12, my first instinct is always, like, oh, it's so cringy. What am I wearing? It's a nightmare. But then I always think about, well, all of that was just part of my development to become who I am today. And I'm sure that in 10 years, I'm going to look back on the way I am today and sort of have the same feeling. And so I kind of feel the same way about feminism because we're all just on this growing journey and path about learning about feminism and how we fit into the world and all this stuff. So maybe at the time lean in was like part of your journey become a better feminist and so I think that's fine yeah totally <laughs> I mean we're all in process and I think that's part of the book that like the face of feminism is always changing and there are many feminisms and also because the context is changing and the conversation is changing we are within that context and within different conversations so we're moving through time right so if there's no conversation at that time about trans people and we don't know any trans people, how are we going to be able to include that in our conversation when it's just not all around us? So, yeah, I think we should totally be totally forgiving of ourselves. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that now that we know better, we should say, OK, maybe I need to interrogate the things that I read a bit more and I need to pay attention to okay, is this inclusive of everybody? Is this just from one perspective? Honestly, I think it's just a learning opportunity. Just like I now know that I should not have black hair. And that was a discovery I made when I was 14. And now I know better. And it's the same with feminism. Now we know not to dye our hair black. It's a metaphor. Now we know not give five stars to books like Lean In. We know better. We know to include other people. And that was also really interesting about this book because it was written in 2016. And obviously, the discussion about feminism has moved on. And there was there was not much criticism of this book, actually. I mean, she really knows pop culture. It's really great. And she has a lot of examples, but those examples do also help you think. But she is a white woman, and it's very US-centric. 
And so it does leave out some of the parts of the conversation that are happening now. But again, that just shows time and how, how feminism changes. And I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing that it's US focused because that's the world that she's living in. I feel like if she wrote a book that was only about, I don't know, feminism in Afghanistan, people would have a go at her for writing about that. They always say you have to start at home, right? Fix the problems around you, which I think is very much what she's doing, right? She's from the US, she's from the United States of America, so she's writing about what she knows. There was a discussion about the title of the book. Mm. Because in one way, of course, she the book does help you see the many different types of feminisms and show you that it's always changing and also that capitalism is also taking it over fast. But some people felt like the title was a little bit maybe even judgmental. We were feminists once, which means that now we're not or feminism doesn't exist. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's not how I interpret it. But actually, until someone said that, I actually hadn't put that much thought into the title. I just thought of it like when I read the book, I thought it was like on a very, very personal level. I thought she was talking about her and her friends. I didn't assume she was talking about the different waves of feminism. And I wrongly assumed that she was from Seattle because for some reason I can just completely imagine her in this grunge situation. And I know that like, you know, in the book, she talks about like zines and like, you know, like this very like DIY kind of world with feminism. I kind of assumed that what she meant was that we being like her and her friends and, and the people, they used to be young and idealistic and like think that they could really change the world. And as she like grew up and realized more about the world, she was like, oh, shit. So that's like kind of what I interpreted as. That is her journey a little bit. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I didn't I didn't see it as judgmental more. I think. Just like, because we, we do live in an incredibly capitalistic society, right? And unless you opt out of society, you have to somehow participate in this world. And so I kind of felt the title was more judgmental towards herself, kind of being like, yeah, once we were young and hopeful and we thought we could, you know, be feminists and change the world. But then we came to terms with the reality of the world and we sort of realized actually in order to survive in the world we have, you kind of have to compromise your feminist morals. That was my interpretation of the title. There is this like push-pull she has between she believes that pop culture can change people's perceptions and yeah. then feminism entered pop culture and it got commodified in many ways. And then we had this super interesting discussion about how feminism as a concept now is very widely accepted and embraced like Dolly Parton didn't for a long time even though she's super feminist didn't call herself a feminist because she comes from the country music scene it's it just wouldn't go with her identity it's not her audience it would be totally wrongly taken those people would not like that she had that label even though her actions are different whereas now you see Taylor Swift and Beyonce and everyone's like fully embracing this term feminism and the question of men came up mm. how they are engaging in it and it was a very interesting discussion because I think a lot of men apparently do not want to engage in it like they don't feel like it's well first of all it's not in their interest maybe and it's nothing to do with them and they're just not aware of a lot of the issues that women face. And then we got into a super worrying discussion about all the terrible boyfriends people have had. <laughs> For example, one guy who didn't believe in the patriarchy and then 
googled it and then went the wrong way when they googled it also and also didn't really believe in racism and again went the wrong way and found you know a black guy on youtube who also didn't believe in racism and stuff like this so like it's just indicative of like how men don't understand the reality of what women are dealing with and refuse to listen also or engage and i think that's a really big problem one really good tip was that sometimes is is a good way in with men is like to talk about how it touches them for example you know this like man up or you can't cry and all this but also yeah i guess and and there are i mean there was somebody is dating a person who is super concerned about toxic masculinity and keeps apologizing to her for it and she's just queen decides to like just take the (laughs) apologies because nobody ever really apologized to her about that before so she was like whatever you can apologize to me so obviously there are some men who are engaged in it but overall if you see the amount of conversations over two book clubs that we've had about how men treat women's opinions or if they tell them about an experience like if they're walking home and they feel scared or something how it's really dismissed because yeah. it's not part of the men's reality. I had, this is just a personal experience, but I had this moment where I really realized, wow, men just are not, do like, do not consider the way women are feeling at all. And I think maybe I've told this story on the podcast about the S-Bahn, yeah. where like I was taking the S-Bahn early in the morning to catch a 5 or 4 a.m. train, I can't remember. And I had to take the S-Bahn into town to get the, this was at my parents' house, this was not in Berlin. And the the whole S-Bahn was empty. It was the first S-Bahn because where I'm from, the S-Bahn stopped running, unlike Berlin. And this man gets on the train and sits directly opposite, like in the same, you know, like four squares. And I was so tense for the entire journey because I was a young girl. It was dark. It was late or early, depending on how you look at it. There was no one else around. And this man did not have a care in the world. And I was just moment of like, men are so oblivious. I'm sure this man meant no harm. It did not even occur to him that sitting this close to a young girl would cause fear. It's unbelievable. And I think this was like many years ago. I think what's really like frightening about it is the fact that like when you hear all these conversations that we've just had tonight, nothing's changed. Men have not learned anything in the 10 years. It's sad to see how little progress we've made since I had this moment of realization. But I think it's the same as like not listening when like, you know, one of the women, she was walking home with her boyfriend at the time, no longer a boyfriend, so many not longer boyfriends. And she said something like, oh, you know, they should cut the shrub down. It's really big. You know, I would feel unsafe walking past that because somebody could, you know, be hiding in there and jump out. And, you know, people do get attacked near their homes and stuff. And her ex-boyfriend just dismissed her just said oh you're being paranoid and anxious and all that and it just shows how women's feelings women are not taking seriously their thoughts and their feelings and their experiences are not taking seriously and then this translated also a little bit into the book for example hollywood hollywood was basically started by women as was a programmer who was here tonight informed us programming was started by women. And then corporate world found that there was money in it. The men came along. They pushed the women out in so many ways. And then because it was making money, you know, uh, Wall Street got involved in Hollywood, for example. And then 
they didn't trust to give the money to the women, so they gave the money to the men. It affected all the stories in Hollywood until today. Because before, when Hollywood first started, when filmmaking first started, women were complex characters. They were shown as, you know, fully human characters. We are humans. But yeah, and then it got taken over by men and women were marginalized again. And it, and, and you just see this over and over again with so many industries like chefs. Women are cooking all over the world mostly, but they you know all the biggest chefs are men or like with fashion or with makeup and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, we're just, yeah, we're marginalized. We're not important and we're not seen as competent. And all of these core values, even if we're, if they're proved, like, mm. you know, we do things really well. Still, our opinions, our feelings, our experiences are totally invalidated and overpowered by the male experience. Yeah. And I have to say, one of the things that I really, really liked about this book, because I think when I read it, it really blew my mind, but not because anything that she was saying was new, because I think if you're a woman who exists in the world, a lot of this won't be new to you, but because she said it concisely in a way where I was like, uh, oh, that's it. Like she hit the nail on the head, I think a lot of the times with a lot of the things. Basically, she was able to articulate things that I was not able to articulate myself. And sort of like reading that back was like, oh, yeah, that's what I've always felt, but I've never known how to express it. And I also like, I think someone mentioned that they didn't like how many like pop culture references she made. But I actually, on a personal level, I found that helpful because she was kind of citing examples. And I think in order to like kind of understand what she was saying, because sometimes if things are too abstract, people can't really get it. So if you if you give someone a metaphor or you give someone an example that involves Taylor Swift, they're more likely to understand it than if you give them some long-winded academic explanation. And that's okay. And she does a really, really, really good job with that. And what I also really, really liked is, I mentioned this tonight, but I really liked all of the things she had to say about Beyonce. And my absolute like favorite thing that she said, which because I've always found like there's always so much discourse about Beyonce. People have so many opinions on her. And in the book, she basically says that it always just seems to be a bunch of white women in a room hysterical about whether or not Beyonce is a feminist. And I was like, yes. And that's it. That's what I've always think is so weird about the Beyonce conversation, because it's mostly a conversation led by white women dissecting whether or not she's a feminist. I'm like, you know, I don't think it's my place to decide whether or not this black woman is a feminist. Not my place, not a conversation I'm going to engage with because my opinion really doesn't matter here. So I liked that she said that and how she said that. But I didn't think everything she said was obvious. There were a lot of things that I thought were empowering mm -hmm. or good popular culture things that then came into question. And there was somebody from Brazil here, for example, who said she was smoking because she thought she wanted to be, you know, like, I can also smoke too, you know, it's my body, my choice, I can ruin it if I want to. The men are smoking, I suppose it's a sign of like, independent women. And then her literature teacher at school I think it was a language teacher at school was you know a 50 year old woman who was super independent had no man was traveling around you know really glamorous lifestyle was a smoker and all of this but this actually came from like a solid advertising campaign where the number of male smokers were going down they were like oh what can we do oh the women's movement is taking off we'll, we'll make cigarettes a symbol of freedom 
And they did that, and then the cigarette sales went up. And it was it was a campaign that was devised by Edward Bernays, who was related to Freud actually, and yeah, he's the godfather of advertising. So even that, it's all these small, small things. You have to. The book teaches you to be really super hyper aware, a bit like how you are when you're walking home at night late, of what you're engaging in and whose ideas are being fed to you at every single moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything is framed as empowerment nowadays. I think we've entered the age of female empowerment. And it's super funny to me that you see this word everywhere. And we had an interesting conversation about like the word empowerment versus power, right? And someone pointed out that empowerment is passive and power is active. And the passive word is always assigned to women, whereas men get to be active, which I think is super, super interesting. And I've never thought about it before. But also just, you cannot do anything nowadays as a woman without it being empowering. You know what I mean? Like eating yogurt is empowering. Shaving your legs is empowering. Not shaving your legs is empowering. It's so exhausting. And we really ended up in a society where you can literally commodify anything. Literally anything is commodified and sold back to you as empowerment or, 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 or as feminist in some way. And it just really makes you question like a lot of, or at least me, all the choices I've made in my life. Like I don't wear makeup. Was I empowered to do that? I mean, it's the most honest answer. It's laziness. And also I don't have any, I don't know how to put it on. So I don't know if that was necessarily a choice or just a lack of talent in some way, shape or form. But, you know, even makeup is sold to you now to be empowering. So do I have to put on makeup to be empowered? Like, oh my God, do I make any of my own choices or have I just been manipulated by advertisement to make every single choice I've ever made? Yes. Yes. So what do I do? What do we do? Well, we're all doomed because capitalism takes over everything. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it spreads to everything, even like, yeah, to go from smoking to sexual liberation. You know, I saw a really great tweet on Instagram, and I think I reposted it on our Instagram because I thought it was so great, where this woman just said, men still think that women dress for them. If there were no men around, I would dress even sluttier. And I was thinking about that because I was thinking, I was like, yeah, if there were no men around... Last summer, I wore like a a short dress. It wasn't even that short. And a friend of mine went to go get burgers. And there was this guy sitting there. And I could feel him staring at my legs the whole time. And I was so uncomfortable. And it was a really cute dress. I really genuinely liked it. I've never worn it again because I was so uncomfortable. It's like, oh man, if there were no men around, or if we lived in a different society where men weren't the way that they are in our current society, I would be wearing so many short skirts. Yeah, I think I would totally walk around naked. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Which is shit. really funny because men do think that you are looking for their attention the, the way you're dressing. Like, no. No. Uh, most of the time, <laughs> like dressing so like, please don't give me your attention. Julia Fox has this great quote where she says that when she meets men in real life, you know, the actress, she was in Uncut Gems. I have no idea. And she says that when she meets men in real life, they get really upset because she's like not hot the way she was in Uncut Gems because she dresses really weirdly. Like, this is a woman who clearly dresses for herself. She does not give a shit what anyone thinks. She wears the weirdest and funniest outfits. I can show you some. But they're always very provocative. And she was like, I dress for the girls and the gays. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. She's like, they love it. And she's like, oh, be disappointed, little man. <laughs> she's great. I have a weird, like, love obsession with Julia Fox. I don't get her, but I think she's amazing. So that brings us on to our three things you can do this week to be a better person. Number one, dress for the girls and the gays. (laughs) 
think too, be really aware of the words you use. I think being pointed out that words like empowerment are used for women and they're passive, but words like power are used for men are active. You know, just be conscious of the language you're using and how you're talking, not just about yourself, but to other people and, and the word choices you use and the word choices that advertisers use. And number three, join our feminist book club. We are meeting next month and the book is Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall. We hope to see you then in person in Berlin. Send us an email, misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. If you want to come along, we would love to meet you. You have to identify as a woman to come along because we're not taking men. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. For all links to sources and further reading for this week's episode, subscribe to our newsletter, misinformed.substack.com. Email us if you'd like to come on the show or join our book club, misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at the underscore mis underscore informed. And support the show via Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash misinformed.